This week's episode of Greetings from Storybrooke is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash storybrooke. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that link is audibletrial.com slash storybrooke. I have confidential matters to discuss with the doctor. Would you excuse us? Anything you have to say to me, you can say in front of Clara. Well, quite a lot of it. Probably about half, maybe a smidge under. Actually, Clara, would you mind waiting out here, please? No worries. You two get yourselves a room. Yes, fine. No, stop it. Boss of the Psycho's basements. So are you. Greetings from Storybrooke. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne-Marie DeSimone. And this is only a crack in the wall. It's also the time of the doctor, uh, but we usually talk about Once Upon a Time. How are you doing, Anne-Marie? I'm good. How about yourself? Excellent. Excellent. And, you know, Once is on break right now. so uh, uh, For like nine weeks. Which is unfortunate, and it's going to make us really stretch for material, I think. I don't (laughs) think so. We have three seasons we can do commentaries on. This is true. This is true. An infinite amount of uh, commentaries are coming your way. Uh, But uh, today we're going to be talking the Christmas special, Time of the Doctor. And uh, let's see here. I I guess I'll go ahead and introduce our our guest. Uh, First, I'd like to welcome back uh, Patrick Delahanty from uh, our our Day of the Doctor special. How are you doing, Patrick? Great. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Just, uh, you know, uh, getting – it's really weird having – Two holidays in the middle of the week, two weeks in a row, because I, I don't feel like I have my bearings at all. It feels like it feels like it's <laughs> Tuesday or something right now. Yeah, yeah, same here. But I and I, I I'll, I'll go ahead and give you a little plug here right at the top too, Patrick. Uh, you can find Patrick's uh, his video podcast at AnimeCons.tv, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at P Delahanty. And uh, we also uh, from China, and I know you said I wasn't, I didn't have the pronunciation written down here correctly, That's but it's okay. Is it? It's Christine, and the the last name is. Um, it's actually pronounced Christine Xu, but that's okay because uh, don't worry about it. It's fine. I, I I I can't pronounce Smith half the time, so that's fine. Totally fine. Don't but Christine is uh, calling us uh, all the way from China. You, what do you do over there, Christine? Um, I'm I'm a tutor. I uh, I tutor adults. Um, actually, I tutor English for adults, um, and uh, they are. You know, they want to it's it's kind of like a part time for them. So they want to improve in their workplace or things like that. So I tutor English. So, uh, yes. Oh, I was just going to say, is it is it an advantage uh, professionally to speak English over there? What with, you know, all the outsourcing we have going on these Uh, days? Well, I would say yes and no, because right now, I mean, it used to be more of an advantage, but now it's, you know, everyone kind of is, is moving into the field and uh, mm-hmm. th- there is a lot of competition. But then at the same time, you know, we have – there are things that that are special to us because I also work as an interpreter. So, <laughs> 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 okay, yeah. 
Okay, and uh, uh, Christine, uh, your uh, your Twitter, which I guess you just uh, recently reactivated, is uh, um, yes, hat or Squish Hat. <laughs> it would be. We usually pronounce it Squish Hat, but that's okay. Squish Hat, yes, S Q U I S H A T. You can find her yeah. on Twitter, and, and we'll we'll throw that in at the end there too. Uh, but I, I, I oh oh, did you have something else? No, I mean, I don't really use it, but if you guys tweet me, I'll definitely tweet back. Well, we're, we're going to start tweeting you a whole bunch until you start using oh, Twitter, because no. it's the bomb. Okay. <laughs> did you really? Did you really I just did. go with the bomb? Oh. I, just showed, I, I just showed my age. By, uh, you really did. Because oh, when I said, that, said it, what I was thinking in my head was super hip language that the young people use. And uh, I, I guess that's not true anymore. No, no, you are now old. Congrats. Uh, but not quite as old as Matt Smith was in this episode. You know what? Oh. Generally, I uh, I do a rhyming summary of the episode before we discuss it. But I feel kind of feel like I should save that for once proper. Uh, yeah. But luckily, they had a poem in this episode. So, Anne-Marie, to get us started, do you want to read uh, that little poem there? <clears throat> and now it's time for one last bow, like all your other selves. Eleven's hour is over now. The clock is striking twelves. The theater of the mind, folks. Uh, we do we we do our sound effects live we, with no props. Uh, We're prompting. Let, let's see here. I guess I, I guess I'll start with you, Anne Marie, since you're okay. you know the co-host. Uh, <laughs> I guess I am. So, uh, what did you think of Time of the Doctor in general? Um, I I liked it. But I wasn't, like, falling all over myself loving it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the 50th really spoiled me because that was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. That, it, it was like, just so it just, bombastic. It just took all big. of my emotions for Doctor Who and just, like, threw them out on the table. And now this was just like, well, okay. I have to agree to a certain <laughs> extent because um, the 50th anniversary was, was a very cinematic in a sense. And, you know, they had showings in uh, 3D cinema and theaters and everything. It was big, big. But this one was just kind of like it's wrapping up everything and it's trying to cram a lot into the hour plus or so. And it didn't quite have the same wow factor to it. And then half the time you didn't know, really know what was going on. So Okay, you know. good. It wasn't oh, just yeah. me. Yeah, I was so confused. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say it was a, a huge, like, info dump of, of yeah. an episode. It was basically, okay, we have all these strings that we've been dangling out through Matt Smith's entire yeah. run, and we have to wrap them up and tie them all up into a nice big bow in one episode. So it was a, a little bit cramped, though. Uh, Patrick, what did you think about it? Uh, yeah, I agree. After coming off the 50th, which was amazing, I, I knew that this wouldn't be that good, so I didn't expect it to be. Yeah. But uh, it, was, it was about what I expected. And regeneration stories in the whole history of Doctor Who have always kind of been meh. Yeah. Uh, I think the only really good one that I love is uh, Night of the Doctor, which is like six minutes long. Oh. <laughs> and it's just because, oh, we get to see the eighth Doctor again. Oh, um, still probably yeah. the second best episode of Doctor Who this year. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, most of uh, but yeah, um, the episode, eh, I, it felt like, come on, let's just get to the regeneration. Come on. 
Oh, he's been here how many hundreds of years now? <laughs> oh, what kind of stupid war is this? I think that was my problem, too, is I was almost just waiting for the regeneration from the beginning because mm-hmm. I knew yeah. it was coming. Yeah, and you you just get uh, through the whole episode. You're just thinking, why, how, okay, how's it how are they going to do it? Yeah. When's it going to happen? Exactly. Well, you know, it did. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, it did kind of throw me in the, in the middle there when they said when he was talking to Clara and saying, you know, this is my thirteenth regeneration and I can't do it again. I will have to kind of die with this face. So I was just kind of thinking, hmm. So are they gonna bring that? back and that was kind of a they sort of made it more interesting <laughs> from that point on i would say yeah that, that was actually kind of interesting because a, they, that was a thing that really wasn't a big surprise to me or i'm sure like maybe patrick or maybe even Anne marie people who kind of pay attention whenever uh interview with moffat is mentioned like on, on the twitters or whatever because yeah he, he had mentioned uh the possibility or that the n- numbering was going to be rejiggered and that the uh the what was it journey's end uh half regeneration was going to count so yeah and oh go ahead and so then people were wondering well does the change between two and three count because he just got changed by the time lords and it wasn't Mm -hmm. they didn't call it a regeneration yet so did they weren't sure if that counted or not and yeah people were but this firmly established in the episode okay matt smith's doctor was technically the 13th. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it puts that question to bed. Yeah, so we, we, we definitely have a firm numbering now, which is nice. Okay, uh, but oh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it would have been almost to their better interest not to have announced the next Doctor for sure mm-hmm. and to almost leave us hanging and just let us know, this is Matt Smith's last episode. Uh, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I like then- some element of surprise. And it might have made it a little bit better not knowing if there was another doctor coming. See, it it, it was really kind of cool, though, to get the uh, doctor showing up before the regeneration episode in the 50th, though. Like, I think it was worth it just for that. that. I think that could have almost just been, I don't know. I liked that. I loved that. But... Some, somebody would have recognized it was Capaldi's eyebrows. I mean, those well, yeah. are, those things are pretty distinctive, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. It was, it was like a close-up shot. I mean, in the 50s, you couldn't have missed it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I was actually thinking back to the time in the 80s when I didn't have the internet and I'd watch a show. and like, oh, did they not renew their contract? It's the end of the season. <laughs> Is Captain Picard really going to survive the Borg? Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I couldn't just see online, oh yeah, they've, he's on next season, or oh, they've cast somebody new. So yeah. uh, I, I don't know if these regeneration stories carry the same weight they used to back in the day. Like, you didn't know that uh, Well, that nowadays it would were... be really difficult to keep it under wraps. I mean, we've known that Matt Smith was going to take over from David Tennant for like a year and a half before he actually came onto the show. So there was, I mean, um, what Emery said about keeping it under wraps and being sort of surprised, I mean, it's a good thought, but in reality, that's not going to happen at all. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, let's go ahead and get into our uh, our, our main discussion here. I, I'll start because uh, I'm listed first here under A in the document <laughs> oh I'm looking God. at. Uh, but, uh, basically, um, silence will fall. We We find out everything about that. 
Uh, basically, we find out that um, it, it was a radical branch of the papal mainframe, I guess, uh, run by Madame uh, Kavarkian or Kavorkian, uh, not Kavorkian, Kavarkian, <laughs> uh, that, that uh, you know, did the whole River Song thing that created the crack, that tried to blow up the TARDIS. That was all just these weird radical, this weird radical sect of uh, Tasha Lem's uh, papal mainframe organization. And I, I, I really like the... Uh, the point that they made that the the silence uh, where their original function was as priests so someone could uh, confess to them uh, and then they wouldn't remember they confessed, which uh, if you know the history of, uh, say, the Catholic Church and all is, is kind of funny just because I uh, back, you know, before uh, Martin Luther uh, nailed his his little notice up on the door of the church there um, and uh, Christine dropped off. We'll try and get her back in a second. But but uh, you know ba- basically that was that was kind of like a side business for the church. They'd have people confess stuff and then blackmail them with it. How much more effective would that be if the person didn't remember <laughs> and uh, yeah. they they didn't even know who was blackmailing them, right? Oh, that's kind of neat. I hadn't thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have. Now I have half the battle. Now I have. Here, I'm trying to get uh, Christine back here. Uh, yes, I'm back. Haha, she's back. She's back. But uh, yeah, I, I, like, like we said uh, before, it was kind of a big info dump uh, of an episode where all these plot lines were kind of tied up. But at least they were pretty much tied up. I, right. I don't. Can you guys think of any questions still outstanding, really, from Matt Smith's run? Uh, no. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to take the silence as no. Uh, <laughs> the silence fell when silence the question fell. was asked. Well, I mean, there, there's still the question of Gallifrey. But that's been not just Matt Smith, but that's now all of them. The tenth yeah. and ninth Doctors as well. Right. Yeah, and I there guess there is oh, one question. I mean, they talk about Madame Kovarian, and basically in um, the Wedding of River Song, Amy says, "You know, I killed Madame Kovarian in cold blood. I remember it, and so it happened." But River Song says, "No, it's an aborted timeline, so technically it never happened." And in this episode, they um, they refer to Madame Kovarian again, but then it's like she never appears again. What exactly happened to her in this timeline? We don't know that. And it seems like because since she played such a huge role in um, in season six, it seems like mm-hmm. they should have referred, you know, they, they should have done more with that, I think. Yeah, because- I mean, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if her or uh, Tasha Lem uh, comes back uh, in the future. It, it seems... Uh, it seems they, especially Tasha Lemon in this episode, it seems like they were kind of setting her up for more, you know, yeah. at least yeah. another appearance or something. And another thing I can think of is, um, oh, I had it and then I forgot it. Oh, well, uh, well, uh, while you're thinking, um, one one thing that came to mind for me just now was we still don't know who the girl in the shop was that gave Clara the doctor's number. Which oh, yeah. It's yeah. probably it seems like it w- it could either be dropped or it could be a huge deal and uh we just don't know it yet. It's but, Moffat, uh, it'll be a huge deal. <laughs> it's Moffat, it'll be ri- River Song. <laughs> basically, basically. I got it. Sorry, I got it what what I was thinking of. Um okay. At the end of the name of the doctor, River Song says her "quote unquote" goodbye to um, the doctor. Mm-hmm. But then she says, um, 
but then at the end she says spoilers and so we never actually got to see the doctor telling her his name i mean that is still something that still needs to happen i mean it if nothing else she never comes on again that is something that i definitely want to see just because it's it's been played out since since silence mm-hmm. silence in the library so you want to well, yeah, we never did see him show up with a new haircut and or a new suit and a haircut or whatever she said, and exactly. give give her her sonic screwdriver and tell her it's, his name. Yes, but sonic. I don't think we I don't think we will ever see that, and yeah. I kind of hope we don't. We we because... did see we did see their last night together though in a special yes. mini-sode they yeah, did. That, that one, that one. Yeah, and I think that's as close as we'll get. I and I <laughs> hope that that's... we don't see it because it's one of those There's moments that something. would never meet our expectations. Yeah, yeah and it, it's also one of those things that you know a lot of uh, TV writers and stuff kind of try and throw into a series where they could pick it up sometime during their run, or it could be picked up on fifteen or twenty years later, you know, by the the net, second or third or fourth person down the line to be working on the show. You know, it, it's just one of those little nuggets that could make a really cool episode one day, but it doesn't have to. You know, we we get the gist of what happened there. So, yeah. but, but I, I, uh, as, oh, go ahead. as Moffat, as a writer, I think he would definitely want to tie up, tie this up if he chooses to in, mm-hmm. in his run of the show, just because he, as we can see from Time of the Doctor, it's just one giant arc that has been flowing through since 2010. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, and River Song is the only character to date that has only been written by one um, writer, I'm sorry. We're, we're, oh, yeah. sorry. That, that's that's Never true. Apologize yeah, apologize for talking river. <laughs> <laughs> Never. But, you know what? I'm going to ask each of you a quick question, one word answer, and then we're going to move on to Anne Marie's point okay. here. How long uh, do you think Moffat has left, Anne Marie? One season. Christine. I know that he signed on for five years. So. Oh. Like five additional years from now? No, five. Oh, five well, total. Yeah, as showrunner. Okay, and uh, Patrick, what do you think? Uh, well, at least five years, but I don't know if we'll ever get rid of him. <laughs> he'll keep popping back up. He'll never let go of the show. Yeah. He'll he'll just eventually become so time crunched that he, he just mashes it up with Sherlock, and Sherlock's the new companion, and no. fangirls everywhere <laughs> weep with joy and explode. <laughs> they explode. They don't Tom- weep with joy. They explode. <laughs> Nice. Tumblr is going to yeah. I don't know what's going to happen to it but Tumblr will just become the universe because <laughs> they, there will be nothing but Tumblr when that happens but uh, Emery <laughs> you, you, you uh, had a point here? Me and my cutesy little points Handles how cute was Handles? Oh he how was cute. great I love it was sort of like a secondary companion mm-hmm. but he also was like a portable TARDIS <laughs> because he's like hey solve this for me mm-hmm. Or There's like a this, smartphone for the doctor. Almost. Yes, kind of, especially because he needed to patch the phone through the TARDIS interface. Oh, that was such a great joke, too. Oh, right, right at that, that sad moment, right at the end, and then he was like, remember to patch the phone in. Uh, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> he picks hundreds of years later. <laughs> well, well, he can just did, to pick a time. Yeah, the doctor did tell him to wait until he was sure that the doctor had forgotten about it. Eh, 300 years or so without the TARDIS, that would probably yeah, that, do the That'll trip. do it. That'll do it. But um, I actually didn't write this down, but I thought it was neat that he had that thing that he said he uh, nicked it from the master. 
Oh, did you yeah. yeah. That was a reference to... End of Time, right? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Five Doctors. Oh, okay. It, I thought it was, and then I looked it up. It was actually a reference to something the third Doctor did. Oh, Patrick, maybe you, you're more familiar with this, but he basically... Uh, I- yeah, it's from the Five Doctors. The exactly. I think that yeah. was the twenty uh, fifth anniversary. Yeah, I've seen the Five Doctors. Hey, can can you uh, give me some more like flavor around it? What it was or what happened with it? Uh, yeah, the oh, I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's like uh, Death Zone and. The four of the five doctors are there. The fourth mm. one didn't want to do a special. Where did, <laughs> why does that sound familiar? And, <laughs> and so they've got a new actor playing the first doctor, and they go and have uh, fight uh, the master. And uh, it's it's like an Omega's tomb or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the, the master had been offered a new regeneration cycle. Mm. So uh, gotcha. <laughs> which which also kind of ties in, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I also – uh, Handel's kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, the skull from Hamlet. Now, there's some other uh, tie-ins to Hamlet in this story as well, but I, 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 it was kind of a last poor Handel's. I knew him, Clara. Kind yeah. Of thing. See, I was thinking the volleyball from – what is that Tom Hanks movie? Castaway? Yeah, that Wilson. guy. Yeah, Wilson. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I can see that too, except this volleyball talks. Yeah, this volleyball does talk. Um, you know, one the skull point didn't I talk. Want- <laughs> One point I wanted to make about what you said about Handel's being the secondary companion. If you really think about it, Ham- uh, Hamlet, um, Handel's <laughs> actually, actually the primary companion. Well, yeah. And also probably the longest running companion the doctor's ever had, considering this is the longest he's ever stayed in one place. I, yeah. That's, true. That's very so true. He, he is the primary companion. And so, you know, he if, if you think about it, it's more like he sent Clara away because he doesn't want to bury her or, you know, cause her any harm. And so he kind of has this android substitute, which actually um, – did you guys notice there was a joke at the beginning? I invented um, a, a, an Android boyfriend once. They were really hard to get rid of yes. or something like that. Yes. <laughs> I was like, is he referring to Hanos? <laughs> no, actually, I think I think I remember seeing, and I don't have any specific information on this, but there was actually an, an Android companion. I think I think it was the 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 doctor with the Technicolor dream coat. Uh, that was what Uh-oh. sixth sixth. Yeah, but I, I think he had an Android companion for like three or four episodes, and I, that that was the reference, uh, the Android boyfriend yeah. thing. Yeah, there. This thing is full of references. There's another reference to Tom Baker mm-hmm. when he says, um, "I don't worry, don't worry, Barnabas, I've got a plan." And he taps his nose. It's oh yeah, kind of, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they, they, that that brought to mind immediately the curator scene from the fiftieth too. Yeah. <laughs> It was a tie-in, tie-in to a tie-in, uh, reference to a reference. <laughs> okay, but he he okay. said he had a plan, and he's on the planet where he can only tell the truth. But he didn't have a plan. So oh. what's up with that? Oh, well, well, the doctor, the doctor's. I, I think his going plan is basically just to roll in without a plan and hope for the best. So his plan <laughs> was no plan. So he wasn't lying. <laughs> okay. Nice. That, that that's kind of kind of technicalities. What you, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> or well, I, I figure you know they they played with that a little bit in the wooden Cyberman scene. Oh yes, I was. Where doing. where he was like, you know, I sent the signal, you can check it, and uh, your gun's reversed, and then he's like, but I I neglected to mention that it doesn't work on wood. So so uh, I I think you know over the course of hundreds of years he kind of found ways to work around the the truth beam ray thing. So uh, Patrick, uh, you had the next point here. Uh, the weeping angels. I am so sick of seeing them. Oh, Moffat, I get it that you invented them and you love them and you think everybody loves them, but not anymore. Stop it. Yeah, Every were... time we see them, they're different. They change. In Blink, their ability was pretty straightforward. They don't move when you're looking at them. You blink, they move. Mm-hmm. And then when they touch you, they send you back in time and live off of your life energy. And then we see them again throughout Eleven's run, and every time it's something different. And, <laughs> oh, now they can send people back twice because they sent Rory back twice. Now, and, they, now they can uh, actually, become the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, it's they ridiculous. They sent Rory back twice. The first time they touched him, he was transported in space but not time. And the second time it was in they sent him back in time. No, when they touched him the first time, he went back in time uh, to like the oh, 1930s. Like the 30s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, sorry. And then uh, at, they touched him again, and he ended up going back wherever he and Amy ended up. But uh, in yeah. this one, they grab Clara, nothing happens. In uh, The Angels Take Manhattan, they grab River Song, nothing happens. It's uh, but so it was explained though with a dialogue because the the angel couldn't send River Song back in time because the angel was too weak. It it hadn't been active, so it's it wasn't strong enough to send River Song back in time. So maybe that so is the explanation for this one not being able to send Clara back in time. Uh, the, the snow makes them weak. Maybe well, <laughs> I I was kind of assuming since they were there to. Uh you know, deal with the whole crack situation slash the doctor situation. Maybe it was to their benefit not to send Clara back in time. So they didn't, Yeah, you know, that could have been it too. But I kind of think the, the angels jumped the shark a little bit when they showed them moving on camera. Like that just kind of broke the reality of the angels for me a little bit. What if it was that, was that a angels take Manhattan or was that the, no, that was the, Oh, I forget the name of the episode that, with the, with the Byzantium, the yeah. Time of, yeah. Time of Angels. Time of, oh, and, speaking uh, of but, the an- Time of Angels, mm-hmm. didn't didn't the Doctor send the angels into the crack at the end of that story? You know, you're 100% oh, yeah. right. I mean, maybe that's yep. how they got through the field. And then, uh, yeah. So, which would almost explain why they're weak, too. So the crack, okay. That, okay, well, I kind of un- but, answered my own question here, but... <laughs> But there's, there's still no reason for them to be in the story. They're seen in that one scene, and then they're gone. And uh, Well, except yeah. for the one we see looking in the mirror. But they really don't need to be there, and Moffat needs to get over it. He needs to stop putting them in stories. I love them! <laughs> and and uh, you mentioned it here, here in uh, the notes you put in, in the doc, too, but it, but it kind of felt like he was just throwing anything he could at the doctor in this episode. You know, just to kind yeah. of... It, it was the greatest hits of uh, Matt Smith's run, including the villains. So Yeah, yeah. even the... Uh, oh, I can't even pronounce... I don't remember it being said, but the Terrapatils, <laughs> which haven't been seen since the fifth doctor. 
this is true. But it, it was kind of cool, you know, getting the, the just the little flashes of, you know, the Doctor v. the Daleks or the Dalek, or the Doctor versus Santarans or this, that, or the other. Just kind of getting a whole bunch of, like, little fights in there, I thought. Uh, I don't think so. Sure. I think I prefer episodes where it's hmm. just one monster and then we need to um, think of a way to defeat them and, and that's it. But yeah. I, this- I, I saw some people saying that, you know, they, they thought that, uh, you know, this the whole premise, the doctor stuck in a town called Christmas could have been a whole season, really, if they yeah. wanted it to be. I agree. Yeah, and it probably would have been better because it comes off as if. Oh, he's been there for, I don't know, 500 to 800 years, and only these things happen. You know, another way they could have kind of made that feel a little bit more natural is maybe to do the entire episode from the perspective of Clara. So that way we get these big jumps in time, but they're not accompanied with montages and narration. They're just, oh, Clara shows back up and the doctor's a few hundred years older. What happened? He tells her. You know, it may be a little less awkward (laughs) a little bit. It's just – it's just very, you know, it's it's very Pandarka opens Big Bang um, fifth, fifth series ending for you because everyone is is kind of around, huddled around this one planet and and the Doctor is the center of everyone, and it's up to the Doctor to save the day with not doing something, which is very very <laughs> weird because <laughs> it's. <Yeah. laughs> Well, he he did have have some pretty smooth moves there at the end, you know, swinging that cane around, dancing, you know, that was fun. <laughs> oh, did you guys notice that the dancing when he was dancing with the children, he was actually doing that really bad dance move that he did as Amy and the Rory? Drunken, yep, the drunken giraffe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that at a few weddings. Nice, <laughs> nice, including a Doctor Who themed one. Nice. A Doctor Who theme wedding. Uh, who, uh, did, yeah. who, who, who did the uh, the priest uh, cosplay as? Uh, he didn't, but all the groomsmen were wearing uh, the Chuck Taylor shoes, nice. the sand nice. shoes. Nice. <laughs> okay, uh, Christine, uh, you wanted to uh, talk a little bit about uh, yeah, that big uh, holy ship we saw. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Tasha Lem and her uh, useless church. I'm quoting the doctor here. It's the <laughs> church of, when I first heard Church of the Papal Mainframe, I was like, this sounds so familiar. And then it was like, oh, it came to me. It was from the the Colonel Runaway or Colonel Menton. He says, by divine order of the Papal Mainframe herself, I can show you the truth. Because mm-hmm. he was referring to not being able to see the headless monks and then it just started to click together oh the soldier guys they're actually pretty consistent mm-hmm. throughout so they're the same sect as maybe well different sects because Kavarian is a different and then you know yeah, they- I, I, well, I, just to butt in here I, I, I really like the way they did that to where they, they made uh, you know that whole thing uh, you know a good man goes to war and everything just kind of like this weird radical sect that broke off from the main uh, uh, papal mainframe. I, I I thought that was a good way to go about it because you know, especially the, I, I didn't catch that my first wa- watch through the episode, and it, so I was a little confused. I was like, well, if they were trying to you know 
keep the doctor from being killed and everything. Why were they trying to get him away, keep him away? And, you know, it got really complicated. But once I heard that line, the second mm-hmm. time watching through the first time there were kids running around, so I couldn't hear very well. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, the, the second time it, it made a lot more sense. And it, 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 you know, that happens in religions all the time. That's where, you know, Lutherans came from. They broke off from the Catholic church. Right. You know, this exactly. is a very Catholic centric episode. Really uh, we should... <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can go ahead, Christine. Sorry. I just wanted to butt in. It's fine. Um, and then they refer to her as mother Sophia. So did anyone think of the blue fairy when they said that? <laughs> I totally did. And uh, just for Patrick, since he doesn't watch Once Upon a Time, that's a character oh, on Once Upon a Time. Yeah, that's a, uh, yeah. He's a nun character, too. All the fairies are nuns in the real world. so I'm not there yet. <laughs> oh, okay. And so I had a thought that uh, Tasha would kind of be like the new River Song character because of the dynamics mm-hmm. between her and the Doctor. Yeah, I actually saw a lot of people saying that, thinking that Tasha was River Song, like literally a regeneration of River Song, which I... I, 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 I no, no, I won't want that. Yeah, I didn't really buy that either. I think they were saying because she could fly the TARDIS, but didn't, uh, you know... I, I I mean, the papal mainframe, or at least that s- certain sect that they shut down, uh, commissioned a TARDIS of their own. So they probably have a manual lying around somewhere, was my thinking. <laughs> yeah, From what I gather, like the River TARDIS Song. driving isn't hard. <laughs> yeah, that's not like River Song's the only person that can fly it. So mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. No, yeah, that's true. And then, okay, sorry, what is she wearing? Seriously, like <laughs> the back of her dress, just oh my god, I really hate dresses like that. So it was just, it was an eyesore for me. Um, when the eye stalk came out of her, it was just, it was, it was very unbelievable for me. Plus, I could mm-hmm. see the makeup where her forehead sort of bulged out. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, it, <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> No, it's totally fine. I, I let the haterade flow. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, no, but her, her her performance was a little weird. It was a little uneven. On the one hand, uh, that that first scene in the in, when her and the doctor were in the room together, I really glommed onto the character. I really liked it. But then she just got kind of cheesy. Like yeah. especially the anytime yeah, no. she was like in big head projection mode, it just seemed like really like super. It, it seemed like something from old Doctor Who when they didn't have enough money to, I don't know, <laughs> build a proper robot. Uh. Right, and so it's just it was so quick. It was like oh one second I'm a Dalek minion I'm gonna kill Clara and then the next mm-hmm. second it's like uh, she's back to being herself. What? I mean even Oswin in Asylum of the Daleks she wasn't she wasn't uh, a puppet like like the ones that took the doctor and amy and rory to the dalek of the parliament of the daleks yeah. that woman had an eye stock and she was like completely she didn't have any of her old self mm-hmm. in her well i, I so, think i think was, uh, the doctor kind of implies a, in, in talking to her right before they transport back down to the old or to trenzalore they, mm-hmm. that it's more of like a a force of will thing. He like he, he is so confident in her force right. of will that he's not worried about it. That he, so, he thinks she can overcome the programming. Well, then that implies that they have some sort of long history that we don't know about. Because obviously, I mean, through their interactions, you can see that she knows him pretty well. And then yeah, she's like oh, a new body, so she knows about the regenerations and she's right. seen him before. Exactly. But, so. 
it, it comes off to me like one of the issues I have with Doctor Who as a whole, where it's, oh, if we believe hard enough, we can <clears throat> we can defeat the bad guys. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> so I, she can overcome the Dalek puppetness by just trying really hard. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Because was... we need someone to pick up Clara in Act Three, so she can <laughs> yeah. overcome it. It just didn't do it for me. So I, um, I thought but, it was a really interesting choice to kind of make the uh, the head of the church kind of a tart too. <laughs> you know, like because yeah. generally, you know, religious leaders you don't really think of them as kind of amorous or uh, you know another physically is- romantic with people. <laughs> another issue I had with her and her sect is like, okay, so they div- she devoted the church to silence. But they're not wearing eye drives. So how exactly are they going about that? That is just not, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense for me. Well, it seemed like the, the doctor had immunity to the uh, the confessional yeah. priest silence. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing maybe, you know, they operate a little differently than the Area 51 silence we got, uh, you know, a couple seasons back. Yeah. To, to where, you know, if you're around them enough, you kind of get used to them and you you can remember them. Where maybe the, the Area 51 silence were kind of upgraded <laughs> a little to where you couldn't remember them no matter how hard you tried. That that was my thinking on it. I could be wrong. Anyone else have any thoughts on that? Uh, it's just Moffat changing the enemies again. <laughs> <laughs> but see, they, 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 They're they, developing. They wore different costumes mm. this time. So it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay uh let's see oh and uh, also i i saw here i don't know who put it in the doc but it happened while we were doing the episode uh but they mentioned that tasha lem is an anagram for as hamlet so uh that's another little uh tie back into the hamlet story that i thought was kind of cool but uh all right we'll go ahead and move on to the next point i loved matt smith in the old age makeup as the old doctor not the the middle ground 300 years old one but the old old one i just absolutely loved it i kind of wish that the entire run of matt smith's doctor had been an old age makeup it was so (laughs) so about that (laughs) i don't know yeah i don't know what i think about that it's uh i knew it was going to be controversial i just threw it out there because i don't care what people think (laughs) no but i also thought it was kind of interesting that they they had you know the time between clara's visit after 300 years and the time uh, tasha goes back to get her they left a big wide open space there for any future uh, anniversary specials for Matt Smith to return. And it doesn't matter how old he is because he's supposed to be old, right? <laughs> so they can, just yeah. pluck, oh. they can just pluck him out of that time period anytime they want. No need for any uh, yeah. moments played by Billy Piper or anything. They just well, plug, And he has a TARDIS, too. So it's not like they don't even have to explain it at all, which is wonderful. Nice. And... While somebody's planning the 100th anniversary right now, and they're listening to this, uh, <laughs> keep in mind that they can bring you back David Tennant because he could play the Metacrisis Doctor, who does age. This is true. This is true. So we've already got a reunion planned here. <laughs> let's, let's start it. Let's start it. We'll, we'll write the script after we finish the podcast, and uh, then we'll just send it over to Moffitt, and it should be out by next week or so. He'll tweak it. I'll just tweak it for you. Yeah, no, but I... Angels and River Song in it, and then it'll... <laughs> Yes, yes, please. Sold. 
No, but I, I, I also the the older version of the Doctor really reminded me of William Hartnell. Like I, I think Matt Smith probably went back and like looked at some of those performances to get kind of some of the physicality of it and everything that Hartnell had, especially the scene right before he goes out to meet the Daleks, where uh, you know Clara's just kneeling down beside him, and it feels it feels very much like Susan and grandfather or something, you know, which I thought was a really really neat, and you know. Overall, if this had been the last episode ever of Doctor Who and he had died in that tower against the Daleks, I think this would have been a fitting end to the character. No, you know? I would be so upset. Dark. So <laughs> really? would I. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, I, I think I think it's very poetic after, you know, spending a huge chunk of his life running away from his people, going around, helping people, changing time, you know, as he says uh, when he first arrives in Christmas, you know, flouting the laws of my people and everything to to go out by defending a small little town for a thousand years against its greatest enemies. I, I don't know if, if, if feel, it feels like a, a right end to me, but it, it obviously the Time Lords that don't feel the same way, they intervened. Darn it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I am so um, glad the show's continuing, obviously. Moffat yeah. actually said in an interview that um, Matt Smith actually does Old Doctor better than anyone else because it's something that he actually really thought very consciously about. So in his performances, you can see a bit of Troughton. You can see a bit of... Mm-hmm. And speaking of um, the TARDIS, you can actually see, and, and Hartnell, you can actually see a lot of the original the, the original TARDIS console in, in this new one. It, mm-hmm. it didn't occur to me before, but then I looked at it in the white and, and the edges, the, the sort of very, very neat, uh, as opposed to Tenon's TARDIS or the earlier TARDISes. It was just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it seems like they're paying, they're, they're paying a lot of homage to really as a fitting end to the 50th anniversary year. I think I think they did a great job of it. In that sense, oh, definitely, definitely. To turn TARDIS back into a, sort of a, a classic TARDIS, I guess mm-hmm. you could. And some of that limping around that Matt Smith did as the older Doctor and mm-hmm. during his last scene in the TARDIS was real because he injured his leg during filming and had to get physical therapy. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So that's not really all acting. <laughs> that's See, legit I, pain. <laughs> actually, wait, 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 when I saw the limping, I was a little disappointed because the rumor going around was that he was going to lose a leg in this yeah. episode at some point. So I, I was really excited for, you know, just maiming people. You, you don't get enough of that in Doctor Who these days, <laughs> unfortunately. Nice. But uh, Amory, you had a point here? I love Clara talking to the crack. And pleading on his behalf, and be like, just help him. <laughs> He's done so much for so many people. Just help him, and mm-hmm. saying how his name is the Doctor. It just, uh, it just seemed really sweet. Mm-hmm. And though she always sort of has those types of scenes, which I'm still not sold on her. Yeah, it, it um, seems like that's the second time that Moffat's kind of faked us out, though, saying that the solution to this problem is the doctor saying his name and then saying, and it, at, the end, it. at the end of it, twisting it and saying, no, actually, that's not the solution. Right. Well, it, technically, it still probably is because they didn't solve that problem. This yeah. just changed where the crack appeared. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But how does... This bothered me. How does he not recognize Gallifreyan? 
Oh, yes, I was thinking about that too. It was like yeah. it drove me completely nuts. I'm like, this is the this is the <laughs> you know message on the language. Moon. It's yeah, you're supposed to get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I mean, even even when right before they translated it and everything, uh, the TARDIS was there, so you, you can't even say, oh, the language translating mechanism wasn't working. Plus, it's his native language, right? Exactly. Right. That's I mean, really it's the issue. His crib and a good man goes to war. Mm-hmm. Old time Gallifreyan, mm-hmm. and then River Song also wrote the words "Hello, sweetie." And um, no, yeah. sorry, he wrote, she wrote it on the on a box <laughs> museum to call him to come. Right, old time Gallifreyan. You know what else kind of cheesed me off about that whole thing? Come on, Handles, you're going to translate it and then send the translation out to all of his enemies? Come on, what kind of companion are you? Well, there was that. Are yeah. you for him or against him? Yeah, it's a bit. Never trust a cyberhead. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> huh. So it, it was it was kind of odd for me to get used to handles in the very beginning, just because it's a cyberhead. Like, mm-hmm. what is he doing with a cyberhead? Yeah, it, it, definitely. Definitely. When you first see it, your instinct is to not trust it or think it. Well, obviously, especially. You know, they, the way they introduced him to where he kept taking the doctor with a maimed version of one of the monsters to the monster ship. <laughs> Which yeah, I that thought was fun too. It was like, oh, Dalek ship, up, oh, cyber ship, up, oh, sorry. <laughs> you didn't say you didn't want to go to a cyber ship. <gasps> and uh, Anne Marie, I saw you uh, deleted this. I, I wanted to touch on this before we move on to Patrick here. Oh, okay. But. It, what, was that a specific voice? Was that an actor we should have known saying Doctor Who when it was translated? Because it sounded yes. like it should be. That was the general. Was it? The day of the Doctor. Yeah. See, that's not who. Uh, I, I don't know. I was hearing something else. Mm-hmm. I don't know no, who. It was but... the okay. The guy that said uh, three of them. I didn't know when I was well off or whatever. Yeah. Twelve yeah. or whatever he said. Okay. <clears throat> I, 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 I trust your memory, Patrick. It's it's far superior to mine. Uh, speaking of, why don't you go ahead and move on to your point here? <laughs> Bald Matt Smith. <laughs> I loved it. I now, loved I it. knew he'd be wearing a wig in this episode because he shaved his head for How to Catch a Monster. Yeah, and, uh, Ryan Gosling pick, right? Uh, was it Gosling or was it another one of those young whippersnapper actors? I don't know. I'm not going to see it. But <laughs> but Moffat used cool it time. to his advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he got to show the doctor bald. Uh, no, Matt still had to wear a bald cap to be totally bald. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I thought that was funny to throw that in there and play around with that a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the scene with Amy and the doctor, they're both wearing wigs. Cause yeah, because she's bald for Guardians Karen's, of the Galaxy, right? Yeah, Karen's in that, and she had to shave her head. So she's got really short hair right now, and <clears throat> Matt's got very short hair. Hers looked okay. more wiggy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hers looked I mean, really uh, fake. Because I, believe- I already knew that Karen had shaved her head, so I knew that it was a wig, and it just looked very much like a wig, and just it didn't do it for me. Although, was- I, I believe in a whatchamacallit, the Angels Take Manhattan in the last cemetery scene where she appeared, she was also wearing a wig because she had to get like a shorter cut, not like as short as for Guardians of the Galaxy. I think she had bangs or something at that point, or yeah, her hairstyle was different. She had to wear a wig. I don't know if it was at the end of that episode or just for some pickup stuff they did after, but... uh, If I remember correctly, I remember reading in an interview or something that it was just that last uh, graveyard scene where she gets sucked back in time. So, uh, well, I was too busy like 
the feels at that time. So <laughs> I, I was too busy with the feels. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Even the second time through, I'm like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to. Yep, there it goes. Crying. Uh, crying. I was like, oh, oh, it's Amy again. All right. Uh, oh. yeah. I find that, okay, this is um, an observation that I made. I think I find that people who are more accustomed to old who or are more familiar with um, classic who, they don't really feel for Amy as much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I really yeah, like I, Amy. I mean, I, I don't have any problems with Amy, but uh, Amy yeah. again. It's kind of doing a disservice to Clara. Clara's right there, and mm-hmm. he's thinking of Amy. It's like, come on. Yeah, it's it's like it, that last six episodes they did with Amy and Rory, I think kind of ran the characters into the ground. I think they overstayed their uh-huh. welcome a little bit mm-hmm. uh, for, for me personally. But, it, and, you know, I, like Patrick, I was kind of meh the, the first time through with the whole uh, – Amy cameo at the end but then the second time I don't know what it was I don't know if you know my hormones were raging or what <laughs> but I I, I I got a little bit clumped. I, I started I started tearing up a little bit uh, right there at the end when she's like goodbye raggedy man I was like <laughs> I remember when he was eating fish fingers and custard with her and she was a little girl yeah the first time I also thought it, it took away from the scene a little bit but then um, the second time it was oh okay well I guess because uh, he, he said she says raggedy man good night mm-hmm. but angels take Manhattan she says raggedy man goodbye so it's it's but in that scene it was Amy who was leaving who's being sapped back in time mm-hmm. and it was kind of like the doctor saying goodbye to her. But in this scene, it's more like Amy saying goodbye to, well, his own imagination is saying goodbye to himself. But you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I was going to say, she's not really there. No, no. But. You or know, is she? Dun, dun, dun. Oh. Did they she's ever wake up in the Dream Lord episode? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, mm. But uh, speaking of the doctor having to say goodbye to companions, uh, Christine, why don't you go ahead with you? You have a good uh, kind of thematic point here. Oh, okay. So my point is that in this story, we can see the doctor is the one who's getting progressively older. He's he's physically aging and he's staying put in the same spot, whereas the companion is the one that's kind of popping in and out and, and mm-hmm. she's staying the same way. Um, if, if you look at, you know, we had, we had an episode with Sarah Jane and the 10th doctor where she came back, uh, may she rest in peace when she came back in the 10th doctor's era and they had an adventure together and said, you just left me. You didn't even say goodbye. Uh, and, um, you haven't changed at all. You look, you look so young. Time has not been so kind to me. That's one of Sarah Jane's lines. And uh, obviously the phone call with the brigadier, it's like, oh, um, he passed away peacefully in sleep a few months ago. And it's always the doctor leaving his companions behind, even with with the more recent Amy and Rory. He leaves them behind. He, he Even though he doesn't like goodbyes, he leaves them behind. And the, the idea of um, turning the idea of, of uh, the doctor actually leaving everyone behind on its head, it's the doctor who's here to stay. And Clara is trying to say, hey, you know, we can leave now. You're uh, sort of, um, I wouldn't let you stay here. If 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 you hadn't sent me away, I definitely would have, would have wanted you to go with me. 
But instead, you know, it's it's a great character development for him since series six, where he says, where he is speaking to Maldivar, and Maldivar says, "You have to go back and face the the." Okay, I don't like this phrase, but you have to go back and face the fixed point in time thing at Lake Salens, the lake the lake in Utah, um, sometime. Lake Silencio. Lake Silencio, that's the one. And <laughs> he says, you have to go back and face it sometime. And the doctor says, well, time has never laid a finger on me. And he <laughs> says it, you know, he says it very convincingly. And he says, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to. And whereas in, in, in this story, he's, he says to Clara, oh, you know, well, everyone gets stuck somewhere eventually. And he's kind of more... I guess you would say resigned to his fate. If defeated, if, yeah, is definitely something I'd say too. So I think he definitely, in this sense, he he definitely has uh, has grown a lot as a character. I think it's it's too bad because they kind of reversed it with the regeneration. <laughs> um having and, and and for most part, he's having things staying constant. He and this goes back to one line he says in. Um, River says to Amy in Angels Take Manhattan, he says, the doctor doesn't like endings, never let him see you age. So I guess that that also could be part of why he sent Clara away, even though the main reason is that, you know, he doesn't like endings. So he doesn't want to bury Clara and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bit of that might be vanity, too, because I mean, I mean uh, you, you know, we generally project uh, the things we desire, we hold valuable on other people. So maybe the doctor is kind of projecting that onto Clara. Like, I don't want her to see me age. She That would make her sad to see me age. So maybe that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why I sent her away as well. I guess, yeah, it goes both ways. Um, but see, the story takes place over hundreds of years. In, in this, it takes It spans over hundreds of years. But then at the same time the pace is very very quick the story the pace of the story is very very quick but the story is supposed to be a very slow one so i'm I'm not exactly sure how i feel about that even after watching it a few times it's a bit just you know yeah it it was like moffat moffat made a lot of very bold choices with this episode about half of them worked and, uh, you know, the other half were either kind of middling or they they kind of, they fell flat for a lot of people. And, you know, like we mentioned up at the top, that might be a little bit, you know, comparing it to Day of the Doctor, too, which how, how do you beat that? It's yeah. like it's like comparing Citizen Kane to the Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane episode of Tiny Toon Adventures. They're just not in the same league. No, <laughs> really. no, they're not. But uh yeah. Let's see here. And, uh, you know, as 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 we saw in this episode, the Time Lords, not only are they back, as we saw on Day of the Doctor, but they're 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 paying attention. Uh, they they you know, they they renew uh, the regeneration cycles, which we'll talk about in a minute here. But they they directly affect our universe from whatever weird pocket universe the doctor stuck them in. So I'm they can change the future. I'm guessing this means that name of the doctor never happened except in the doctor and Clara's memories. Uh, because if he doesn't have a, if he doesn't die, he doesn't have a grave or maybe something yeah. else that occurred to me is maybe he sends the TARDIS there at the end just to kind of commemorate all the time he spent there in, on Trenzalore, right? That's you know, very possible. There was a scene in um, Time of the Doctor where he had the, the the TARDIS just came back to him and he said, uh, he, 
and the TARDIS just kind of started freezing up at the mm-hmm. at the top there. That scene, I I thought for sure that was going to turn into the broken TARDIS that we see in the name of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it was heading that way, but obviously it wasn't. So, um, and then. But if if that never happened, that means that that Clara never got ripped into the middle in pieces, mm-hmm. and uh, so what was that like all undone now? <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, that is an interesting point because that that's actually and uh, I I think we have a couple of letters addressing this too, but it never feels like Clara's really got fleshed out as a character, and that was that was the biggest thing they did to flesh out her character was to insert her into the Doctor's entire timeline. So She's now does is, does is that even uh, current anymore? That's you know. her identity. Oh, I just thought of something with handles. Sorry. Can I talk about handles for a second? You can talk about handles anytime you want to. We all love handles here. Okay. So he said um, he, he's getting old, you know. I don't have the parts. But then in um, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, mm-hmm. there is, they, they come to a room where basically it says this is a room that makes machines. So if he could fix handles, why didn't he? <laughs> It's a, it's a loophole. Well, I'm sorry. Wait, wasn't wasn't that 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 was uh, the 300 year when Clara came back though, which means he just got the TARDIS back, and maybe there just wasn't enough time to get there down there time. to uh, run the machine. Yeah. Or Moffat his, his uh, made, <laughs> retconned it to make that room make taffy or something like that. You never know. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay <laughs> but, then. But uh, one last thing before we move on, uh, some something that you know them, you know, giving the regeneration, new regeneration cycles, interacting through the crack and everything. I wonder if we're going to see the crack popping up uh, through series eight, and uh, get the Time Lords more in there messing with the Doctor again, because that was something that that was like the main focus of. The Time Lords back in the day was they were always messing with the Doctor in one way or another, trying to manipulate him, trying to get him to do what they wanted. I, I'm wondering if we're just going to see mi- the Doctors in the middle of the adventure, an adventure or something, crack opens, a Time Lord hand reaches out and just like knocks him out just to mess with him. Yes. I know. I'd like to see that. Yes. I vote no. yes. I vote <laughs> big no. I, I want I'm, none of this Matt Smith stuff carrying over. I want Capaldi to have a clean slate. Mm-hmm. So, but so if you get rid of the crack, we're not going to bring back Gallifrey, which is his purpose. Well, they could do it through some other means. Yeah, and you know, if they don't bring it back, that's fine with me. <laughs> okay, there's another thing about the crack, though. I mean, they in um in Day of the Doctor, they said that we had frozen Gallifrey in an instant of time, like a picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like that picture that they had in the museum. So, how could they? have given him the region it just doesn't really i mean are they walking and talking (laughs) (laughs) you know what i was about to go and justify it and come up with a big complex explanation but i think patrick's got it right if if anything's too confusing and new who wibbly wobbly timey wimey yep that's (laughs) my desktop picture actually i don't know where he gets these things (laughs) 
<laughs> Nan Marie, you had a, had a quick point here. I, think. I had a nice, simple one. All of mine are simple. You guys have all these complex points. <laughs> Basically, my things change. Remember the people used to be. I love that. I don't know. I like all the little cute sentimental stuff. But how he was like, you know, I'll always remember this face or being this face and this person, which almost kind of pulls back to the 50th with the whole uh, bigger thing. You know, yeah. remembering the face and how we talked about maybe he'll go back to that face at some point. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, 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 it was a really nice little speech, too. And I, th- I, I think we have it to talk a little bit uh, a bit further down the line here. Okay. Uh, but basically, I, I, I really like how, how he kind of compared it to how everybody changes. And, you know, it, it's OK to move ahead as long as you don't forget where you came okay. from. Yeah. Kind of basically. thing. Which I, I thought just thought it was sweet. Okay, but uh, speaking speaking of that whole scene, I think uh, Patrick had a couple things he wanted to mention about the the new regener getting the new regeneration cycles and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I think I had mentioned this on your last Doctor Who episode, where uh, people have been worried about the regeneration limits, and some people seem to be obsessing about it. Like, oh, well, what are they going to do? How are they going to get around it? This could be the end of the show. Panic. <laughs> Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Uh, but I, I think that it was, even though it means Moffat went and messed with the past, adding in uh, Captain Grumpy, and then <laughs> counting Ten's vanity problem of regenerating into the same form, mm. uh, I, I think it's good that he got it out of the way uh, so that this question isn't hanging over Capaldi during his entire run of, Oh, what's going to happen? What? How is he going to get? Just let Capaldi go, have his adventures, and we can enjoy them and not have to worry about what's going to happen, because it's going to be the twenty-fourth Doctor, probably in uh, twenty sixty-three, in another fifty years or so, that we'll have to worry about it again. <laughs> this is true. I yeah, you know, I was also uh, I I wasn't expecting them. I, I was really surprised that they addressed it that soon, but I, uh, like you said, Patrick, I'm really glad that they did because now that's old business and we can just move forward and push forward with the new guy, right? Until they bring up the Valyard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you know the Valyard's going to have to come up uh, just because Moffat is such a fan of old Who, who that he, yeah. he, he would never not acknowledge it. Uh, like w- w- one of the theories I was reading up into the lead up to uh, time of the doctor was that something was going to happen where there was some sort of like weird parallel universe, antimatter, I don't know, but somehow the doctor got split into two people and that Matt Smith was actually going to be a main cast member for series eight as the Valyard. And that's (laughs) it, which would have been awesome. Right. Uh, But uh, unfortunately it didn't quite work out that way. (laughs) Metacrisis doctor. (laughs) Vanity issues, I guess, exactly. again, all over again. <laughs> and uh, Christina, to, to close us out here, let's talk about uh, Matt's parting scene as a whole. Uh, Christine, you had some points here. You wanted to bring up. Oh, okay. Um, I want. I just wanted to say that I like that there was a proper goodbye scene where he becomes young again instead of him just on the tower kind of blowing up the Dalek ship. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, I thought yeah. it was a bit tacky that he was able to blow up an entire Dalek ship with his re- regeneration power. Okay, yes. never mind. Yeah, is yes, that the thank first? Thank you. I agree. 
Oh, really? Okay, good. I'm yeah. not alone. <laughs> Is that the first time the regeneration glowiness has been weaponized? Uh, like officially, like well, hardcore weaponized. Besides him destroying hard, the target. Yeah, hardcore. It with ten in Tenon's thing. It was kind of uh, crashing, and it kind of contributed to it. But it wasn't on this scale. This was just. Yeah out there it was i don't even know what they were trying to do but seriously i'm guessing from a story reason they probably justify it as he just got 12 new regenerations there's going to be a lot of excess uh give off on that <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess um and then the, the, this huge the whole scene in itself was just a huge homage, homage to to the fans you have the fish fingers and custard you have you have him removing his bow tie yes. and i mean in a very literal way it was removing removing his doctor identity mm-hmm. in preparation mm-hmm. for the new one i mean that was so it was just i i mean that was the only moment in the entire time of the doctor that i thought it, it was kind of emotional yeah. and the, the appearance yeah, I, of, I really liked all the uh the pictures from amy's room they had all over the tardis yeah. anytime they flipped mm-hmm. to the doctor's view too yeah yeah and then they you have the appearance of the amelia the girl who waited and uh, becoming amy and that that was kind of a a, a very touching moment and then there was one particular line i really enjoy it's just he says it all just disappears doesn't it everything you are gone in a moment like breath on a mirror i think that is just it it was very beautiful for me i think moffat um definitely uh outdid himself because that's exactly what happens every time he regenerates it's it's a different person, but it's the same person, but yet different, you know. And so, um, and then his last line is also very interesting. I read in an interview before that Moffat said, I have thought about what his last moments were going to be, but if the last line wasn't going to fit the last moment, then I wasn't going to push it. His last line was, um, I will always remember when the doctor was me. I mean, that is said um, as as that is said, Matt Smith is saying that as the doctor. But then if you think about it, is is it Matt Smith speaking about himself? Like uh-huh. I will Matt Smith, I will always remember when the doctor was 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 being played by me. Yeah, kind of like that meta commentary like Tennant had with the uh, I don't want to go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Was thinking, it was kind of breaking the, the fourth thing. wall. Um, and then if you go one step further, is it is it Moffat really channeling himself through the doctor as well? Because mm-hmm. he started on as showrunner with Matt Smith. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, a, an entire era for him as well. So is he saying, I will always remember when the doctor was Matt Smith? <laughs> and that's kind of, I think it was just kind of interesting to see it from all these angles. There's just so many layers, I think. Um, see, it's and- weird, you know, especially when you delve into kind of the, kind of the meta-ness of the, the way the script went down and everything. Because mm-hmm. I kind of feel like there's a story yet to be told that we'll hear in 10 or 20 years about exactly why Matt Smith left this year. Because, uh, you know, uh, up until they announced that he was leaving, they were like, oh, no, he's going to be on for the next series, no problem. So I just I, I wonder if 
Moffat had just tired of writing for Matt Smith's doctor or Matt Smith had tired of playing that character. Or I just wonder who was the one who pulled the trigger. Was it Moffat wanting to tell new kinds of stories or was it Matt Smith wanting to play new kinds of characters? I think oh, it's sure it Matt, Matt Smith. Smith. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Well, he, he, uh, when he did his first uh, press tour uh, in the States for Doctor Who, I, I know I, I remember his Craig Ferguson appearance. Oh. He was he he was very subtly hinting he'd like to get into movies somehow. So, like get get into the Hollywood fil- flicks. So, which he I, appears to be doing. I personally feel from his performances that it it's kind of like the Eleventh Doctor has definitely um, his time has come in in a sense mm-hmm. because um, if you look at the second part of uh, a series seven, uh, he is still the zany Doctor, but he's less mm-hmm. zany. He's less energetic. He um, a lot of the things it just he seems a bit out of place without Amy and Rory just because mm-hmm. when he came on they were such a huge part of his story and now that they're gone I mean obviously there's still some good stories there but it's and with the Impossible Girl arc that was really good as well but you can see that he is kind of not especially with the episode Nightmare in Silver I mean okay mm-hmm. sorry. Maybe if you hate it or you love it, but it's, <laughs> you can kind of see that it's it's approaching the end for him. Yeah, and they they were uh, they were cl- kind of close friends personally too. You know, they all three of them, uh, Matt and uh, Arthur and uh, what's Karen. her face, I blank Karen. <laughs> Karen. Uh, <laughs> wow. But they they all lived in the same neighborhood in Cardiff. They went out drinking all the time, you know, and so it was probably a bit a li- bit like. You know, being kept over or being kept on for a uh, second senior year or something in high school. <laughs> All my friends are gone, but I'm still here doing the stuff we did together. Uh, but let's see. Okay, so we obviously we have to close out our discussion. Uh, what did you guys think of Capaldi? Patrick, I'll start with you. Uh, from the 10 seconds we saw of him, I am really excited and looking forward to brand new adventures with, uh, the, the 12th Doctor and Clara Oswald. He, Capaldi's all about the eyes, isn't he? Because the second he, like, snaps for it, it was like he was a caged animal. He was about to attack Clara or something. Like, yes. Yeah. He, he has those bug eyes, which, uh, you know, being someone who has been told they have very good bug eyes, uh, I, I think is a good trait to have, especially when you're playing a character like the Doctor that's all weird anyway, you know? <laughs> But yeah, it it was it was kind of hard to get a read off of him just because it was yeah. so short and so quick. And they well, there he was like kidneys. Oh, hey, do you know I how to play like, the I same like he has new kidneys. I don't like the color of yeah. my kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> and but it was very similar to when we first saw Matt Smith. We only get mm. a, a minute or so of him. The music distinctly changes to a new theme. Yeah, and it probably won't be the theme they stick with because it wasn't Eleven's <laughs> theme that they stuck with. Uh, but uh, I'm, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. He's yeah, he, he like, looks like the guy in Pompeii and that <laughs> guy who was a Frobisher in Torchwood. Explain that one. Well, yeah. a- according to Moffat, there is going to be an in-universe explanation for that. So that that's, that's going to be interesting to see for yeah. sure. Can't wait yeah. to see that. Like I, I guess it was something actually when uh 
when uh, his character first appeared in Pompeii and then uh, he played the character on Torchwood that Russell T. Davies had kind of an idea of how to kind of integrate it in if he were to ever become the doctor. Because, you know, it's been making the rounds on the internet this week. He's been wanting to play a companion or play the doctor since he was like five or six years old, right? So, uh, yeah, you know, so they have that plan in there, and it'll be interesting to see how they do it. I'm guessing maybe he just liked the face. Uh, That would be my gut gut feeling of the explanation they're going to go with, but it would be really interesting if either of those characters ended up being the actual doctor because – uh, well, one, the Pompeii guy, well, the Pompeii guy probably wouldn't be that interesting, but the Torchwood guy, who uh, mm. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but is an awful human being. <laughs> and uh, But I do wish we got to see more of him in just about every regeneration story. The regeneration happens at the end. I think the TV movie's like the only exception. Yeah. And uh, I really would like to have seen more, like, oh, have Matt Smith try really hard and partially defeat the bad guys. And then, oh, here comes the new doctor. Surprise! And <laughs> he gets the rest of the job done. But mm-hmm. no, you yeah, have it, to wait till August. It, it was a really, uh, it, and I saw some people really loving this, some people complaining about this hardcore. It was a really quick transition, too. It was like half a second, oh. and it went from Matt Smith to Capaldi. I Which, liked that. I liked how it was different. And if you literally, if you blink, you miss it. Yeah. Don't <laughs> blink. Like, like I, I, I saw someone, I, I was perusing the various Reddit threads discussing the episodes right after. And someone was like, I, I looked down to comment on Matt Smith's last line. I looked back up and it was a new doctor. Uh, but uh, some some people were saying kind of like an in-universe explanation for that might be that it seems like as time has gone on and he's gone through more regenerations, the regenerations have gotten harder. They've burned brighter and harder, uh, and they, they've just gotten more complicated and more more of a thing. So since he has a whole new cycle of regenerations, maybe that's why it was so quick. And, or he uh, expelled all his energy to defeat the Dalek ship. Mm-hmm. And now that yeah. he's like, oh, all I have to do is done. I snap my fingers and it's over. Well, yeah, he it, did say that any minute now mm-hmm. the, he's coming. The doctor is coming. So. Yeah, it was like there was pressure building up for for his face, kind of like putting your hand over the end of a hose or something. And when he let it go, <laughs> Eric Capaldi was, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, wonder if, <laughs> I wonder if they used up all their special effects budget on the episode itself. So they're like, okay, we're just going to do a quick cut. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I, as someone who does a lot of video stuff for a living, if 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 you gave me an afternoon and a couple of beers, I could put together exactly what they did for the regeneration effect, if I wanted to. So it's a, I, I don't think that effect in particular is super duper expensive. But like you said, maybe maybe they were like, hey, we can save uh, fifty bucks or whatever, so we can have yeah. that extra Dalek explode in Christmas. But well, I look they, forward to the video of uh, Capaldi regenerating into you. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be there. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see here. Let's see here. What do we? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Okay, out of we're we're gonna wrap up here because we've been going right. a long time and we have a lot no of problem. feedback too. Yeah, we do. Uh, but out of you know what. Because of the nature of the episode, let's go with thirteen out of thirteen naked Matt Smiths. Oh God! How many naked Matt Smiths do you give this episode? I'll start with Anne Marie. Um, 
Nine and a half. Why? And wait, wait, what, what's the half coming from? Because I don't like evens. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I was making a naughty joke, by the way. Of course you were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I just, I wasn't a huge fan of the episode. Mm-hmm. I kind of am sad that I wasn't a huge fan of the episode. I mean, I like the things were wrapped up. I like, you know, a little of this, a little of that. But meh, I just want to see what happens in August. Is it weird to just be looking forward to what's next? Not, not at all. Not at I all. I think I'm more interested in, well, the future versus rewatching this again. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, Christine, uh, 13 Naked Matt Smiths. How many Naked Matt Smiths do you give it? Um, 11 and a half, I guess. 11 and a half. I'm uh, going to ask the same question about the half without <laughs> expecting an answer, and I'm also going to ask why. Because it it doesn't really meet the 12, and I guess 11 would be a little – I mean, 11 for 11th Doctor, that's kind mm. of – no, that's a little bit predictable. Um, I do think they could have done – the pace was a bit too fast, and then it was supposed to be a Christmas episode, and it just felt like a finale instead of a Christmas episode. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think, you know, the Christmas episodes are supposed to be the ones where you can show new Who fans. Mm -hmm. This is what Doctor Who is about. This is why you should watch it. But this story was definitely not something that you can show someone new because there's so many references and so many tie ins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the end of a story, not the beginning of one or a standalone one. Yeah. So Christmas are supposed to be standalone. So. You know, I'm very disappointed, Christine. I thought you were going to be the first person to ever pick their rating based solely on the poetic tie-in to the scale (laughs) that I've picked. But Patrick, out of 13 Naked Matt Smiths, how many uh, Naked Matt Smiths do you give this episode? Four, which I guess would be a Naked naked Tom Baker. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. yeah, Patrick. You know, uh, be- before you continue, I just want to say you made me picture a naked Tom Baker standing oh, next to a naked Matt Smith, oh. like in competition with each other. Go oh, ahead. God. Who knows? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Wow. Get that out of your head. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, when the fiftieth aired, that was pretty much almost perfect. Like just it, it, it's perfect as you can get. So yeah. I would have rated that the highest, and I think I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think we if all I did. didn't, I should have. But I watched <laughs> I that. I think, I think I watched that three times in the same day. Mm-hmm. This one, I've watched it when it originally aired, and haven't gone back and watched it again yet. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a third of the fiftieth. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, it was over, and I'm like, oh, so that happened, and yeah. then I went to bed. Uh, I also didn't get to watch it live because family stuff and Christmas and everything. So I watched it after most of my family went to bed. My mother's on the couch kind of looking over like, what is going on? I was just like, I, I can't even explain. <laughs> she just knew that there was a new doctor coming. I don't know how she learned that. But, Here, Mom, uh, go watch this stuff for 30 hours and then you can you can join. Yeah. <laughs> and so then the, uh, I also I had re, uh, recorded the Matt Smith special that they had on BBC America Mm-hmm. I watched after I watched this episode, I watched maybe I think I just watched the introduction to that. And I was like, you know, I'm done. I'm going to bed. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I was like, I'll see you guys in August. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, for, for, for me, I'm go, I'm going to give it s- uh, seven naked Matt Smiths because I, I thought it was I, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was a solid episode. I really loved the old doctor. I like I said 
and again, apparently controversial. I think he could have done his entire run in the old age makeup, and I would have been happy with it. But like you said, in comparison to the 50th, the fact that we're getting a whole new scenario, a whole new setup, you know, in August and everything, it it was a lackluster episode. It needed to be there in the timeline so everything jives and makes sense and all the loops are closed so we can move on. But it wasn't the best episode in the world. But, you know, the Christmas episodes are kind of hit and miss anyway a lot of times. Uh, Well, remember when – Remember when Russell T. Davies did Christmas episodes on Earth? How many of those has Moffat done? <laughs> none, well, right? Done. Yeah, no, none. none. Yeah, because uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the Witch in the Wardrobe one, that wasn't on Earth either because it was a plant, oh. or a planet with uh, living trees. Yep. Well, I guess the snowman. All right, so he's done one. Oh, yeah, but this, is mm-hmm. this is true. But it was in the, the past. That one was were good. That one was good. Yeah, that was a good episode. Or decent, at least. Mm-hmm. But oh, overall, overall, we liked it. It wasn't our favorite. It wasn't our second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth or tenth <laughs> or eleventh favorite. Wow. But it was a pretty good episode. Okay, we're going to move into feedback here. I, I know it's extra long episode already. We have a lot of people talking. We're having a good time, folks. Why, why, why are you trying to run out the door when we're all here having a good time? Right. Uh, but before we move on to the listener feedback, I'd like to uh, thank Audible this week for, again, sponsoring the the podcast, Greetings from Storybrooke. Uh, now, Audible, if you don't know, you can go there. You can get an audiobook. You can throw it on your iPod, your iPhone, your Creative Zoom player, your uh, Windows phone, basically any device you could possibly think of. You can throw an audiobook and a, in, enjoy literature. Enjoy reading while you're out running, driving the car, learning to juggle. I think I've used that example before. Probably. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, for you, the listeners of Greetings from Storybrooke, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out the service. Now, uh, as we always do, we always uh, try and come up with a couple recommendations for you when you go to get your free book. Amory, what's yours this week? Um, this week, in honor of handles, I chose Doctor Who, Plague of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, here, I'll read the description for that real quick. Oh, it says, thanks. I uh, should have copied that earlier. When the Doctor arrives in uh, the 19th century village of Klimtenberg, he discovers the residents suffering from some kind of plague, a wasting disease. Uh, the victims face a horrible death, but what's worse, the dead seem to be leaving their graves. The plague warriors have returned. It sounds like a zombie story with Doctor Who, right? Mm-hmm. That is pretty solid. And uh, my recommendation this week is uh, written by Neil Gaiman, a former uh, – he wrote uh, The Doctor's Wife and Nightmare in Silver uh, for the show. Uh, but th- this was released as one of several uh, little novellas that were released for the 50th, one for each Doctor. This one's by Neil Gaiman. It's called Nothing O'Clock. And uh, thousands of years ago, Time Lords built a prison for the kin. They made it utterly impregnable and unreachable. As long as the Time Lords existed, the kin would be trapped forever and the universe would be saved. They had planned for everything, everything that is, other than the Time War and the fall of Gallifrey. So it's Neil Gaiman. He wrote arguably probably the best episode of Matt Smith's run, The Doctor's Wife. You want to go check this out. And the way you do that, you just go to audibletrial.com slash storybrook, and you can get your free audiobook. Uh, one of these that we've suggested, uh, which uh, uh, there'll be links to these up at greetingsfromstorybrook.com. Or uh, you can pick anyone you want, any Doctor Who story you want, you know, because time of the Doctor, right? Again, uh, you can go to audibletrial.com slash storybrook for your free audiobook. 
And now, on to the news. News. There is this no news. news. There's no news. So let's <laughs> move on to the feedback. As always, you can uh, email us, greetingsfromstorybrook at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at GFStoryBrook. Facebook is facebook.com slash greetingsfromstorybrook. And you can always call and leave a voicemail, you know, when we're doing the regular ones episodes or anytime you want. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, 424-274-2352. Again, that's 424-274-2352. And I'll start with this little short... We got a lot of commentary or comments from you guys this time where we didn't so much for Day of the Doctor. So thank you, yes, uh, first off. And I, uh, I, I kind of tried to uh, put these, you know, short one, long one, short one, long one. So okay. we'll oh, start so with you uh, get the short ones. I get the long ones. Exactly. That's fair. Your voice uh, sounds like it's going. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I, I'm still recovering, folks. I, I'm, I'm like 90 percent back to normal. But that surgery thing kind of knocked me out last week. You know, it happens. Uh, but uh, this is uh, from Michelle via Facebook. And she says it wasn't nearly as good as Day of the Doctor. In fact, almost a letdown frowny face, a common sentiment. Yes, I, I'm on our panel. Uh, but thank you, Michelle, for writing in. All right. And our next comes from Vicky L from Facebook. While I enjoyed the episode overall, it still had the hallmarks of a Moffat era that I dislike. The story was a bit jumbled and didn't always make sense. A new female character who existed mostly to flirt with the Doctor and, and had very little personality of her own, and there was hardly any development for Clara. Prince, even though the little screen time she, even with the little screen time she had, agreed, agreed, agreed. agreed. On the positive side, I was glad that we were given answers about things like Madame Kavorian, the silence, and the cracks. All of the callbacks to Matt's missed time as the Doctor were fantastic and made it special. The makeup team did, excuse me, a great job aging Matt, and it was great that he was so still so full of energy despite his body being so old. The regeneration itself was great. I was so happy that we got to see Amelia and Amy again. Although I guess a little bit of tri- trivia, the little girl who played Amelia in the original episodes, who mm-hmm. I guess is actually uh, Karen's cousin, yes, uh, it was way too old to play little Amelia anymore. So it was a different actress. In this well, it kind of, I mean, it was like four years. <laughs> um, we, let's see. The my line sister. about him. Oh, my sister and I definitely cried. Thank you. Um, the line about Amelia being the first face his face ever saw was actually a direct quote from the episode, the power of three. And now it's time for Peter Capaldi to take the sonic screwdriver. What does that mean? As he seemingly doesn't remember how to fly the TARDIS, (laughs) it looks like we will find out in August. I am excited for what he will bring to the role of the Doctor. Yeah, what is with that? Well, I'm assuming that's a, you know, the Doctor always has kind of some deficiencies right after a regeneration. I'm guessing he's just like blanking on it, like, oh, I can't remember that person's name. Oh, I can't remember how to fly this time machine. You know, (laughs) Yeah, that's normal. But uh, let's see here. Our, our next letter is from Hope, uh, who, if you didn't catch uh, our episode covering the season or the mid-season finale of Once Upon a Time, Hope sent us a lot of great Once Upon a Time themed teas, which we reviewed on the last episode. You should check that out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Amory, this is a long one. You want to go ahead and read it I for me? This. Thank you. <clears throat> I thought the episode was pretty good. It wasn't the best, but it certainly wasn't the worst. Out of the three new Who doctors, Eccleston still has the best regeneration episode to me that was this, a pretty good episode i don't think i've actually seen it 
Yeah, you're, you're, she, she's, a little weak, she's a little weak when it comes to Eccleston. She's been working, though. She's been trying to get through the uh, first season. Exactly. Um, this is the first time I really liked Clara. I've never connected with her, but I think a lot of that is because her first season wasn't strong. They spent so much time building the mystery around her that it clouded her personality. I loved her in Asylum of the Daleks, but after that, she wasn't that great. These last two episodes are the first that we've we've really seen her as a person in the day of the doctor there was a clear time jump it's nice to see her and the doctor actually have a friendship instead of the doctor treating her like some mystery that has to be solved i've been having this debate with my friend why didn't clara get sent back in time when the angel touched her i think that's because they didn't want to send her they were holding her hostage against the doctor either that or they were starved and weak like the ones who got river and the angels in manhattan i will say that sounds very similar to a point i brought up mid-episode i did not read this beforehand hope i didn't rip you off i swear <laughs> you did you totally yeah. ripped her i didn't off. either i still think the angels are dumb i didn't <laughs> See, th- this always happens, though. I, I, I bring up something in the middle of the episode, and then the letters that I haven't read that are come at the end of the episode address the point, and it fe- I feel like I'm ripping off our listeners, even though there's no possible way, oh, minus a time machine, it could have happened. You're not ripping her off. Okay. Um, let's see. I don't want to judge Peter Capaldi yet. You can't judge him from a 30-second scene. I judge Matt Stif- Smith from his first picture. Where he looked like the lead singer of Arcade Fire or something. Something like that, yeah. (laughs) I thought he was going to be some young emo doctor and be mopey and really dark. I was surprised when Smith was like a baby giraffe stumbling through time. (laughs) I was really against him in the beginning. I don't want to judge Capaldi until I've seen some episodes with him. Scrolling, scrolling. Oh, have a good chat. Have a good chat. (laughs) That happened with me and Matt Smith, actually. When I first saw Matt Smith, it was like, he looks weird. I don't know how he's going to take the role of the doctor. But then he was it, so young, too. Oh, uh, exactly. And I was like, um, I don't know if this is going to work out. But then, you know, he pulls us away with all his performances. And uh, I've, I've really grown to like him. So hopefully that happens with Cavalli as well. <laughs> Okay, uh, well, we thank you very much, Hope, for uh, writing in. And uh, next we have a little um, thing from Wynn here. I, I'm trying to remember the context of this. Basically, on our Facebook, we put a thing saying, hey, anyone have any thoughts on Time with the Doctor? We need them. And she says present, which I'm guessing means that the episode was there at least. Yeah. And uh, then she goes, uh, LOL, pretty lost as usual when watching Who, but can't wait to see how Capaldi's Doctor is written. I did like that Smith's regeneration wasn't as emo as Tenants, which is very true. Tenants, I I, I think partially because of the distance we have from it and partially because it was kind of corny, his his kind of reached legendary status when it comes to, uh, you know, emo (laughs) scenes in Doctor Who. And uh, Virginia also said via our Facebook uh, that she promised herself she wouldn't cry and that she broke the promise. (laughs) I, I I I think I think a lot of us teared up, uh, Virginia, uh, there in that last scene. And uh, Amory, you want to close us out with a Deb 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 Snow Bunny, who was actually on our last Doctor Who episode, and will be appearing in our next episode covering the first half season of season three of Once Upon a Time. So look forward to that, people. Hey guys, I finally watched the recent episode of Doctor Who. You know, Germany gets it last. And I will have to say that the farewell to several amazing seasons for Matt Smith. Proper golf club. (laughs) This episode was really heartbreaking since I really loved Matt Smith. 
Although I'm a David Tennant lover forever, he really grew on me and it hurt that he is leaving the show. I thought the I thought the doctor as an old man was really cute. (laughs) Since I was on the edge of my seat for the entire show, it was really hard for me to pick a favorite part. But it made me sad that the doctor kept sending Clara back home. It It, 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 it kind of depressed me that she kept falling for it, too. Right. She really did. Like after the first time, yeah, you want to be careful, I, I would imagine. Um, it was very reminiscent to the bad wolf days when the ninth doctor sent Rose home and there was a few nods to the 10th, which was nice. I'd give this episode 145 turkeys cooking in the time vortex out of 145 turkeys cooking <laughs> well, in the time vortex. Very high. Uh, I, yes. Wait a second. Uh, we know from River Song that if you copulate in the time vortex, the, the resulting baby is a time lord. True. So would this be a time turkey? I think hmm. so. We're going to move on with that uh, with the Christmas cracker. Let's see. Uh, the nice little bit at the end when he sees Amelia Pond was very sweet. And I could and I could not hold back the tears once he saw Amy and she called him Raggedy Doctor. Niagara Falls. Honestly, Niagara Falls. Um, overall, it was a great episode. And I'm sad Smith is gone. But I'm excited for the new doctor played by Peter Capaldi. And Bill, you were right. The BBC will let the doctor go on as long as they want. Ha! As long as it's making the, the, those those dollar bills. bills. Or those those pounds, rather. <laughs> uh, we'll hope you had a great Christmas or Festivus or Kwanzaa or whatever you celebrated. Have a great night. Looking forward to the next podcast, Deb, a.k.a. Deb, 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 a.k.a. Snow Bunny. Well, I, I think I added a few more Debs on right Deb, 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 uh, <laughs> on a in, normal date basis. in a couple of weeks here yeah me and amory uh we, we've been trying to schedule out what we're going to do over the break and i think we're going to take like a week off here just to kind of regroup and i'm finishing up the next dog boy and i'm and every- starting a new job yeah so yeah we're, we're gonna take we're gonna take our winter break but we'll be back probably the second week of january with a big episode uh with deb 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 uh but if we can schedule them and maybe even jg who was on one of our uh Jason George, who was on one of our Wonderland podcasts. This is probably this, the first time JG's hearing you mention this, isn't it? Oh, that's fine. Uh, we used to be roommates <laughs> in college. This is far and away the least offensive thing I've ever done to him. Uh, this is true. <laughs> but, uh, you know, keep keep an eye out for that here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to miss you. We, we might get a commentary out between now and then because it's basically we sit down for 45 minutes. We record it. I publish it. Bing, 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 go. Done. But, uh, you know, it, as – as we lead in to that uh, discussion episode, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the first half season of Once Upon a Time. Like I mentioned, the email is greetingsfromstorybrook at gmail.com. You can tweet us at gfstorybrook. Facebook, which is always hopping a lot of good discussion over there, facebook.com slash greetingsfromstorybrook. Or you can call in and leave a voicemail message, which will guarantee uh, your comments will make it on the show. 424-274-2352. Again, that's 424-274-2352. And we even play hang up. So if you just want to call and hang up, we'll play it. That's fine. <laughs> uh, now, Patrick, where can people find you? Uh, I, you can find me at animecons.tv. That's our AnimeCons TV podcast. And we just did a uh, we just did our 2013 year in review where we talk about our best and worst of 2013. Oh, very nice. Uh, so definitely check that out. I'll, I'll be checking that out as well. I've been, I, I, I've been slacking a little because I, I assumed you weren't putting out any new content at all because you made the move to California and you were. Oh no, we've 
We haven't missed a release date every, every Monday mm. uh, for the last year. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I will definitely check that out. Animecons.tv. And Patrick, as always, uh, great to have you on. And we'll try and fit in where we can, too, since, you know, you don't watch Once Upon a Time. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You're getting there? But, uh, yeah, it was fun having, having uh, uh, being on this podcast is always a good time. So Yay. thank you. And uh, Christine, uh, where can people find your newly uh, reawakened Twitter? Uh, um, They're going to blow you uh, up. (laughs) (laughs) But I look forward to it, actually. Uh, Twitter, uh, you can find me at twitter.com slash squishhat, um, S-Q-U-I-S-H-A-T, which is the words squish and hat put together. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Christine, it was was great having you on. You were great. You were engaging. Thank you. What were we we expecting from the girl who sent us a 17 minute long (laughs) message? (laughs) Yeah, in hindsight, that was a mistake. (laughs) No, 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 it was great. I'm so glad you guys played it nonetheless. (laughs) And uh, uh, since you're over in China, you know what? What is the shortest travel tip you would give to someone uh, visiting China? Try and keep it under 10 words. Oh, God. Um, So religion. There's no – I can't do it in 10 words. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Like you know what? That's a, that's a completely valid tip. I can't do it in 10 words. Thank you. you <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, Anne-Marie, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AMDSimone, and I'm not even going to push the pot or the blog because it's dying. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm too exhausted to do it. it. I visited. Do you? I haven't updated yes. in a very long time. All right. Well, fine. Since people do actually go to it, uh, it's crunchy, crafty, and highly caffeinated.wordpress.com. One of these days I'll post again. Yeah. Once you um, get adjusted to the new job, right? Exactly. Maybe it'll be a lunch break thing. And uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Bill Meeks. Uh, my Google Plus is google.com slash plus Bill Meeks. And I've been I, I've been writing some superhero stories lately. You may have heard of them, Dog Boy, uh, which you can find at dogboyadventures.com. You can pick up the current novel that's out, Dog Boy Den of Thieves, and you can get information about Dog Boy Danger on Liberty Pier, which is due to come out next month. Dog Boy uh, Den of Monkeys. Sorry. Oh, yes. There will also be a short story called Dog Boy Den of Monkeys that was plotted by my five-year-old son. So that should be fun, too. Uh, let's see. Well, uh, like I said, you know, we'll be back in a couple weeks with a, a once mid-season wrap-up episode. Uh, we might have something in between now and then, but that'll be the next, uh, like, original, original content out on the feed. We miss you guys. We wish Once was coming back sooner so we could talk to you all the time. Unfortunately, we can't, and I just hit my microphone. I think that's as good as time as any to end this very long special episode <laughs> of uh, of the podcast. So I guess until next time, greetings, greetings from, from Storybook oh. and Christmas. Christmas Town Christmas Place. Christmas.